Oh, shit. All right. So, do you want to talk blue collar? We can knock that out real quick if you'd like. <laughs> are you sure you want to knock it out real quick? Or you just, you want to, we, we can put it back. You know, we can, we can take no, our time I, with it. I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I like that one. This is actually a movie I really enjoyed. And I want to keep it top of mind because I've already watched it twice <laughs> to keep it fresh. So, mm. um, and now that I have the star subscription <laughs> because yeah. of this movie <laughs> and <laughs> that, and this uh, Just Watch app have pretty much ruined my life. From the author of Taxi Driver comes Blue Collar, the story of three men who spend their whole lives working to catch up. There's going to be some changes, man, in the union. Big changes. Everybody know what the plan is. The plant just shot for plantation. I was on that picket line every day. That's right, man. I'm still paying the bills and the money out of bar to support my family. Who is it? Mr. Brown? Yes? Yeah, my name is Mr. Berg. I'm with the Eternal Revenue. I don't want none. But according to the hospital records, uh, you, you, you claim six and you only have three. I couldn't have all my kids in the hospital, man, you know. Uh... Here, see, we have Sugar Ray Brown, you got Gloria Brown, you got O.J. Brown, Gail Sayers Brown, yeah. Jim Brown, Stevie Wonder Brown. Who's Stevie Wonder? I was going to come by your house and see you, but I figured hey, maybe listen, to get... man. Nobody comes near my house. Nobody I don't invite. And you know, you should be done with that now. You have a nice schedule. This is company time, Bartoski. What are you telling me, man? Is that what we do in the work? Our three men? Let's move it, Zeke. You're dragging. You're always dragging the line. But the thing I don't understand is why you let the union rip you off as much as management, you know? Do my job. Can't nobody stay no different. I was my own man when I came to work here. I'm going to be my own man when I leave. That saves you all the time talking about. Kid, man, that's our union. They ain't got nothing but one guard. Here's the safe. We'll talk to it later. Let's get it out of here. I kept the notebook. Why? I thought you threw all that stuff out. I hear you got something I want. We can change the union with this book, baby. Just leave me alone, man. I don't talk to no government agent. We can't be seen with each other anymore. First of all, they know three guys did it. Two of them are black, one of them are white. Oh, I want no sense. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody back. We got the wrong house. How do I protect my family? I'm the only one who can protect you or your family. You're my friend, Terry. But you're thinking white. I, I check, just watch. It might be the second or third thing that I check every morning to see what <laughs> what new offerings What's going on in the world? are available uh yeah well then you know I, I don't need that i don't i don't need what 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 did the our president say not harrison ford but our actual president i i i do not care uh what comes out of his mouth i did uh you know when, when you were uh talking about our podcast numbers you know our biggest success was war machine versus war horse mm-hmm. and when i read that the president got like 6000 people to show up for his Million, yeah. million MAGA march that he was anticipating in uh, Tulsa, it it does warm my heart that I'm like, wow, we had some episodes. Dude, those numbers, <laughs> like we, were, um, I, we were on the level with uh, the, president. the president in Tulsa. I got pretty close to that with following films one time, <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> you know what? I, I think we deserve the, the pat on the back there. We are competing there with a go. man who gets endless airtime from every <laughs> every station on the planet. Uh, and we are talking about uh, Paul Schrader's first film here on Projecting Film. So, um, 
what was this just a just watch find what made you choose this one because okay, i yes. i had never heard of it and damn i thank you for uh this was a blind spot and i'm really glad that uh i've remedied that now yeah um so yeah, i mean occasionally like i uh i mean not successfully with the, our last conversation on wolfgang peterson where i just sort of stumble into the fact that i'm like sort of watching a series of his his films but uh i had seen this one mentioned a while back as part of um uh, like a thematic trilogy for for Schrader. Uh, if you're going to count Taxi Driver uh, in there with, um, I guess it's like uh, I can't remember what the the article said, but it was like uh, men who hate their jobs, and they, that seemed to be the through line <laughs> with uh, with them. And a Taxi Driver, um, I, that's a poor uh, barometer for this. If you're thinking like, oh, okay, so it's like the second one, just like Taxi Driver. Uh, no, it is not. Like, it is – I don't know. What would you say, Chris? Because the, the, the tonal swings you get in this one from, from scene to scene, uh, I, I could see – I could see it being like an out for, for somebody that maybe is enjoying one element of it and then it, it turns because it is – Maybe not like quite like the poster would have you believe of Richard Pryor like mugging two different no, faces. No, it's not that. It, no, and if the comedy's really working for you, I could see the set the when it changes gears in the second half, it could really um, not go over well. Yeah, because and the comedy is not like that poster, but it is like uh, dudes being dudes. Uh, yeah, which well, I mean, dudes being dudes in the seventies, which is like when you go. <laughs> share women with your, your buddies and just have sex on their living room floor while the other one's trying to have a philosophical conversation with you. Uh, I, I, it did make me think like I've not really lived because I've never <laughs> interrupted Harvey Keitel when he's going down on a woman and him getting, you know, pissy with me about it. But sure that, that scene right there, like I've, I've probably already misled our, uh, our three listeners on like, Oh, I got to check this out. This is a, a wild Richard Pryor, uh, movie. And I, I sort of stumbled into it um, in a far more, I guess, topical manner. Because I, I also didn't – I mean, I knew that race would be part of it. Um, but I didn't know that that was going to be like sort of the, the, the primary conflict as we get into the you know second, third act of, of this movie. So, you know, I mean, sometimes it's the Criterion channel. <laughs> sometimes it's stars <laughs> providing this content <laughs> that you need right well, now. The the thing about I think that seeing it now, um, where we have a distance from Richard Pryor, we're not in the middle of when this was coming out, and you have you know live in the Hollywood Strip or Sunset Strip, those kind you know where mm-hmm. he was the biggest comedian in the country, and so you have an expectation of who he is. Um, that you know it's kind of I guess would be like going back and revisiting some of Jim Carrey's movies now for the first time without that sort of association. Um, you can see how talented and how much range prior had and especially in the second half um because there's a little bit of the mugging in the first half but then when it there's that oddly enough there's a scene with him and harvey Keitel on the front porch towards the end of the film that prior is the one that's doing all the heavy lifting in the scene mm-hmm. and and Keitel is really playing a small character in that moment and it's really interesting to watch that you wouldn't have expected you know for to not only go toe to toe with Harvey Keitel, but to, you know, 
exceed in many scenes, like to kind of stand out above him in a way. So there's a strange conflict that I read uh, just about the making of this film where I guess Paul, poor Paul Schrader uh, almost had a mental <clears throat> breakdown dealing with uh, our, our three lead actors who <laughs> I guess he like, you know, to get a cocktail, get a Richard Pryor to sign on um, at that point in time, you're he he made the mistake of I guess telling them that they were like each the lead in this film that it was like their story. Oh, and so you know that that's interesting. You kind of highlight that scene because uh, Richard Pryor is definitely underplaying that moment, and I think Harvey Keitel. That goes back to the tonal shifts. Uh, I think Harvey Keitel thinks he's in a he's like in a thriller, which <laughs> I know this predates uh, it predates Silkwood, right? like probably four or yeah. five years. Yeah. But there are elements where it's like, oh, that's the Kaitel story. Is it's like, you mm-hmm. know, it's everyone's against him. And, you know, even his friends are turning on him and it's the union and it's the government. And uh there is that, you know, that anger, but he's playing it like uh he's a tough guy in an action movie. And Richard Pryor is playing it like a very uh a very sad drama. That's what I meant by small and I probably mm-hmm. the wrong word. It was it was shallow. Uh, what Harvey Keitel was doing. It mm. didn't have that sort of emotional depth that what Pryor was doing, that he had a really fully formed character there. And then the things that are coming and that, I don't know how much of that is the screenplay or if that was actually Kai, what Harvey Keitel was doing in the scene, but it doesn't, it, it's the, I don't know, the, maybe it's just the way he's playing it, but it just doesn't feel like he has the emotional investment in with the outcome of this that Richard Pryor does. It's really strange to say that. And, um, and Yafet Koto is amazing in the film as well. He's fantastic. He's in a totally different film, but the scene that Schrader had kind of a breakdown during this, I'm wondering if that had something shows in the way that he was editing it and tying things back together again. Did he lose confidence in it? Um, that ending of the film, I, I, loved the back and forth between the two of them. But then that voiceover that they put at the end was so Mm. unnecessary. Like I felt like it was just, just in case you didn't understand the movie, here you go. Here's the reminder of that thing that was said 15 minutes earlier. Or it's, you know, given Yafit, it's like, Hey, yeah, Not the closure. You, you, you are, you are the third lead, buddy. We're giving you the last, last bit of dialogue. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I can definitely see that. Like, cause that, that was my initial kind of recoiled from it. But, uh, I I also wonder if these type of films, and I don't know because I know nothing about its like actual uh, release as far as you know what the response was, who who was seeing it. Um, but I I certainly think a film called Blue Collar uh, that is about these these type of people <laughs> that like from you get one moment of this like small, I guess kind of sad sack orgy. I mean successful orgy. But it ends with the three men sitting on the couch basically talking about like what a death sentence it is to live poor your whole life and mm-hmm. just to eke by um, and have have those small moments of of fun and joy. But it's by basically being like a shit to everyone that cares about you. Because if you try to stick with your family and work through it, you have to admit they're in it with you. They're in this place that you kind of put, and that is incredibly depressing. So you understand why they decide to, you know, let's, let's do cocaine off women's asses. (laughs) And and why we tell our, our, uh, 
you know, our, uh, the, the homemakers, I guess, the, the, the homestead that we're going to work our second job or we got to go turn off the pumps at the gas station. All that's funny. But then when you transition to a scene like that in the, in the porch where you have Richard Pryor, like he has this great line, uh, where, you know, Kaitel playing the heavy, uh, he, he basically just tries to, you know, to, to end the conversation by saying, you're my friend, Jerry, but you're thinking white. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a disconnect a between us. Line. Yeah. It's a, it's a great line. And it's also the fact that the first 20 minutes of the movie, Richard Pryor's motherfucking people and yelling and screaming and pointing his <laughs> finger. Like you yeah. think, okay, this is a moment where they're going to come head to head. And I think maybe that's why I, I, I didn't have as much issue with, uh, Yafet's voice coming back there at the, <laughs> the end about, you know, the, it's it's always the lower class being pit against each other as opposed to the, the bigger targets um, because the fact that they they could have really ended the movie on the porch for me and I think it would have been fine. Like I was more caught off guard that we did go into Silkwood thriller territory with Kytel <laughs> with one more chase sequence. But then again, I, I tend to gravitate towards these like messy movies like this where in the moment I'm like, oh, why are they doing this? Like I was with you, but why are you throwing this curveball? And but it's those little I don't know it's like a like an album where there's a a track that really throws you off, <laughs> and then but then like after you like listen to it a few times you you begin to like sort of you like those little uh, idiosyncratic touches that they have to it and it, this could be totally accidental too because Trigger had such a hard time getting these actors to like work with each it, other. So the I to me it felt like and I could be way off on this. Um, that the when they're having that confrontation at the very end of the film, um, which is kind of the the point of that scene is to show how the system has turned these two friends on each other um, instead of turning against the people that is they should be you know voicing that hostility towards that they're we're always going to fight each other instead of fighting the powers that be um, that in that moment that maybe that it doesn't feel genuine despite um, the language they're using towards each other, um, that it kind of could feel like, is this another scam? Are they playing off each other for some reason and heightening this? Because it felt so broad and big that it could be another element that they were throwing. I didn't know. It didn't feel as genuine as some of the other parts, and it could be that Silkwood territory that you were Mm -hmm. talking about. But it felt to me like there was a lack of confidence in the ending of just chopping it at that moment when he did on that freeze frame. Um, but then the decision to add that voiceover to me feels like you're not having confidence in that decision or in the performances or you as a director, you had a mental breakdown. You can't see left from right up from down at that point. You have no faith in yourself anymore. So you really need to spell it out for everybody. Yeah. I didn't read the, uh, I guess the final confrontation between these, these two former friends and, uh, and coworkers, and I guess what were you know previously allies against against the man uh, here. Uh, I, I didn't read that as false necessarily. I guess there's like an element of like false bravado, but it's mainly like, and I, I mean I'm sure you've met people like this, where you've you've been in like a, a workplace environment where there's always the guy uh, or or lady, I guess, grumbling about the, the yeah. treatment of the employees and yeah, that this course. is bullshit. That's bullshit. Uh, but they tend to, it's not so much that they're pulling their punches. Uh, and then I think 
that these characters or people I've met in real life are like cowardly, that they're like afraid to like take on authority. Uh, but it just becomes increasingly depressing when you feel like you're just shadow boxing. Like, you know, the, the <laughs> you get to a point where like these men are trying to take on the union, uh, the government and, you know, they can, they can rail against that machine, but you know, the, they're not even being like considered as threats really <laughs> by the powers no. that be. So the only way you're going to get any sort of satisfaction from that rage is a, a target that you actually can hurt or, or, you know, that's going to have some sort of effect on, uh, if you sort of rally the troops against them. And so that's, it was incredibly depressing how, how it turns out that they're <laughs> this misplaced rage with these two, but you know, they're clearly as, as we freeze frame they're they're getting a rise out of each other that they'll never get out of their superiors. The ones that like, yeah. you know, really control their, their lives and their destiny. Um, I, I thought this was, you know, it's very much in that, um, that landlord kind of mode where it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, at least to me, like sort of a beloved mess of a movie that had very interesting <laughs> decisions that were made. Uh, as I said, maybe forced decisions, but also going back to, to Hal Ashby, also the, uh, the first, you know, uh, swing of the bat as well, as far as uh, and moving into the director's chair. Even the thing is though, with a film like this, even when, if it doesn't land perfectly, that there's an attempt to do something interesting here, to say something, it feels like there is a point of view in every frame of the movie, um, for better or for worse. And to be honest, the uh, opening credit sequence, I was a little bit worried about this uh, film. So again, <laughs> that's where you and I differ, because I was like, yes, this is going to be the greatest film of the 70s. <laughs> I was so worried. I was like, that this could be like the everything that's wrong with the seventies that like, you know, the Tarantino types of the world love about the seventies films, that it could be that again. Um, just, but there was none of that in this film. It didn't feel like it was, um, so bad that it was, that it was good or one of those things that you enjoy ironically. No, this is, I think a really well-made movie that absolutely holds up today. Um, that honestly, the points that it's making, and what it's saying has an extra layer of – it's even more salient now than it was at the time possibly because this is – we've made this a fantasy because these jobs don't exist anymore. Mm. And we've, I, we've sort of – we've put this life on this pedestal and said this is something that we need to bring back. We need to have this again. And I don't think we have a very clear picture of what those – jobs were actually like and what that life was like for people. And so, you know, and we kind of forget about all the you know, labor battles that happened in this country and just how manufacturing jobs were not easy. So I, I think that that's, you know, important to have a film like this now. So would you say it's like the, uh, the, the non pussy version of office space? Cause I've, <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I've talked about it and I've, I've, I've thought I'm like, man, um, yeah, that that looked like a, a hellscape. Like when you're in '99, we're like, I never want to do that. And now it's like, I would I would like to just sit around and just play Tetris all day and have <laughs> no real responsibility. And yeah, my boss is kind of annoying, but it's air conditioned. I'm not breaking my back, uh, and mostly I'm left to my own devices. <laughs> you know, that's a really interesting uh, double feature. To play up to to put those side by side, um, where we're both complaining about the realities that you know we're in, and they're you know breaking down because of the, what we have in life. Um, 
one side of that sounds like a spoiled brat, though. You're, you're, I'm sure that you're not talking about uh, uh, Harvey Keitel. Of course. And no, 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 no. <laughs> of course not. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, not not Harvey Keitel. But it was more of Ed Begley Jr. I was I was going to say mm. seemed like the, the whiny one here. Ed Begley Which, Jr. Even he was young once. It was a little <laughs> bit off-putting to see it. Normally, I like that that long mane of hair, but not on this guy. I, I, I couldn't get past it. it. Just doesn't fit. Very, very, very strange to see that young. Is that? I mean, that's. Does this predate Spinal Tap? I'm, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, I think by a few years. I think so. I think okay. Spinal Tap's early '80s. Okay. So yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I'm pretty sure that uh, in the uh, the third part of this trilogy. That uh, <laughs> Schrader went uh, far more uh, mainstream and sexy uh, with American Gigolo is the third part. <laughs> and the guys who hate their jobs. And, yeah, I think that's probably, uh, you know, more than a stone's throw away from <laughs> from the characters in Blue Collar as far as the, the problems they're dealing with. You know, what? I, I got to say, though, I do enjoy Schrader in workplace mode, though, because uh, those two of his films are probably two of my favorite. The other one, really the one that's responsible for uh, blue collar is, uh, and I, I made a joke saying, uh, you know, why, why do I have to go to stars and not the criterion channel, but it actually was <laughs> the criterion channel, uh, with an early nineties movie, 92 called light sleeper with Willem Dafoe as a drug dealer. Uh, I haven't that, seen it. That one, you know, you could fit that into that thematic trilogy if you, uh, you know, if you wanted to go just his uh, directing chops. Um, I would definitely, I would check that one out. I, I don't know okay. necessarily if you would like it because it's, I think it has even at times goofier stuff than uh, Blue Collar as far as choices. Um, okay. But uh, I, I think you, I think you would dig the the odd soundtrack. It is a very strange uh, <laughs> version of, um, I guess, like The Graduate or Goodwill Hunting, where you have like one voice as like the soundtrack to the film. So yeah, check if it, I don't know if it's still streaming, but uh, I, I had a lot of fun with that one, and it led me to to Blue Collar. So Light Sleeper is my recommendation. Light Sleeper done. Right. So, what did you? Uh... What did you think of this movie, though? Is this something you think you'll go back and see again, then, or a blue collar? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm serious when I, I put it up there with like uh, the landlord as far as okay. like a, a new favorite of me from this cool. this decade. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think I have the next one. You do? Okay. Uh, have you seen the Friends of Eddie Coyle yet? That is the um, Boston gangster movie, yeah. right? I yep. have seen it. Uh, that has been five years six years oh uh, jesus okay yeah yeah uh that one i i enjoyed well, you're just keeping it light boy you're just keeping it happy aren't you <laughs> i was like if if there's if we're going down this sad sack lane that seems like the perfect um movie for you that uh, the movie reminded me of you so much just this oh, guy okay we gotta talk about this because uh <laughs> You know, dear listeners, I guess what Chris is saying is like, you know, Eddie Coyle, a lot of people love him. He's just got a lot of good pals. <laughs> I think that's the point that Chris Mader is making. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have so many friends on just... on Instagram. They're all named Chris Maynard. I have <laughs> so many different accounts surrounding me. 
we'll get into it next week. But yeah, it's more of a <laughs> more of a, you guys. I think you share a general disposition and outlook on life. All right, I, this is an immediate rewatch tomorrow because I've seen this. I enjoyed the film. Uh, and now I have to see what what does Maynard see in me on these Skype calls where I'm fucking Eddie Coyle. Okay, cool. We'll do it. Uh, thank you, Just Watch. Uh, I actually own that one on disc. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, that was, I think that was just a blind buy. Um, cause I don't, I don't remember anyone like, you know, saying, Hey, you need to check this out. Um, pretty sure I just like the box art and, uh, uh, Mitchum, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, my, cause my impression of him is really just night of the hunter and mm-hmm. to see him like, you know, kind of the downtrodden version of that guy, <laughs> you know, just picturing this as the unofficial people. <laughs> He just moved to Boston. <laughs> Shit didn't really work out for him. Well, I'm I'm glad that you see me as the sad version of Knight the Hunter. <laughs> it's the I guess sort of the Charlie Brown. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll make sure I'm going to keep this in my my back pocket. Then I'm, I'm going to be looking for Maynard on film uh, from now on. <laughs> Well, as soon as you see something that's super vanilla, like Mr. Offended by Everything, I'm sure that'll be it. That was the other thing. I wrote this down at work when I was uh, supposed to be you know, paying attention to something else. Uh, notice I'm <laughs> not... People matters. I'm not complaining uh, like those those bums from Office Space about how awful their job is when you know, I, can, I can jot down my little uh, podcast ideas. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was thinking of cocaine boners, and the, the tagline <laughs> I had for it was classic cinema and erotic thrillers. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, you know, that'll that'll probably get more hits than projecting film. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're setting the bar that low, it's... <laughs> if you and I are the only ones, then yeah. We'll get that at least, right? I mean, it could be worse. I always—it's uh, always a little bit depressing when. Uh, so I've been putting up a bunch of ninety-nine from ninety-nine episodes, and uh, a couple of them—I I don't really know why. There's nothing like on my end I can figure out. I'm doing, but uh, like doing them the same way every day, and uh, like two of the episodes, the volume is like way low on there, mm-hmm. and one of them been noticed. Uh, I think fairly quickly, and then the other one, you know, a few days have passed. Uh, no one said anything. I'm mowing the lawn, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to myself, and uh, I do, and I'm like, I can't even fucking hear this. I'm like, Is it, you know, just because I'm trying to mow the grass, and I'm trying to listen to this, and I click another episode, no, I can hear myself, and uh, that's what's more depressing. Chris is like, well, these have been up for a few days. No one, <laughs> no one's. You know, it's the, the tree falls in the woods type thing. So it's just me and my co-hosts that are like, yes, a new release of a conversation we had. I can't wait to listen to this. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I have to give myself something to listen to at work, right? Myself. And you're, you're wondering where this Eddie Coyle comparison comes from. <laughs>